0: Welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge.
1: Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown. It's good to have you with us. And uh, I'm super excited to share our next guest story with you today. A couple of years ago, I race announced an Ironman, and I've always said since then, it is harder to work an Ironman than to race an Ironman. And our guest today has uh, worked a few, and you'll find out exactly why he's worked a few in a moment, Uh, but he raced on the big island this year and had a, a pretty good performance, I can tell you, finishing second in his age group. And, uh, yeah, it has got a pretty cool story, and we, we dig into bicycles uh, quite deeply today. So, uh, yeah, if you're into sort of gear and tech, I think you might geek out a little bit on this one. I thoroughly enjoyed my chat. Uh, we head to Des Moines, Iowa to uh, catch up with uh, Matt Kaminsky on uh, today's episode of the Kona Edge. Before we get into that, though, don't forget we are giving away an entry into an Ironman race. I want to pay for you to race. Yep as simple as that all you need to do is leave us a review on itunes and head over to this url to enter the contest okay it is thekonaedge.com forward slash win all the details are there you can also text the word Iron Man to 44222 and i'll send you all the details back coming up next before we head to des moines uh, is our coach's corner This is The Coach's Corner, and it's time to chat some coaching. If you need some help uh, to get faster or if you want to get stronger, we've got access to a network of triathlon coaches around the globe that are more than willing to help you out. All you have to do is head over to theconeredge.com forward slash coaching. If you own a coaching business or if you're a coach yourself and you'd like to get uh, a bit of uh, airtime here on the podcast, all you have to do is head over to that same URL, scroll down to the bottom, all the details are there. It's thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. Welcome on to this edition of the Cone Edge, and we head to Des Moines, Iowa to catch up with Matt Kamansky. Matt, welcome onto to the Cone Edge. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Matt, just a, a few days post Kona 2017, how's the how's the body holding up? How are you feeling?
0: Uh, actually pretty well. Um, this was only my, my second Ironman, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect, uh, but I feel a lot better uh, this time than I did after my first race in Chattanooga. Um so I, I think that's good. Uh and I, I had a really good day in Kona, so I think uh the, you always feel better after the good days than the bad ones.
1: Does fe- feeling physically good does that mean you didn't push hard enough on race day? What's the story?
0: Uh I think <laughs> it just means that uh I was well prepared and uh and my my nutrition went pretty well. Um and I Guess maybe I had a little bit left in the tank, but uh, certainly didn't feel like it when I was out there.
1: I'm sure it was a it was a hot day out, so no doubt. Uh, Matt, you've you've been on the Big Island a couple of times. You've you've worked around the expo, and we'll get into a little bit about what you do on on this podcast as well. But from a racing expectation perspective, was it everything you hoped uh, it would be?
0: Uh, yeah, I'd say I I had some expectations of what it would be like, but but not a lot. Um, and there's, in some ways, it was a little bit different than what I was expecting. But a lot of, uh, a lot of ways, it was the same. Um, it's a totally different experience to go to a world championship event like that. Um, whereas a lot of local races, um, you're you're off by yourself a lot of the day. Um, whereas in a race like Kona, there's there's always somebody around, always somebody to go after. Um, so that made it nice. Um, and the conditions, especially on the bike course, seemed, when I was out there, it seemed like a really hard day. Um, but obviously, with guys break, breaking the bike course record, maybe not so much. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was really interesting to get out there and kind of experience everything. And I definitely learned a lot.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. Do you feel like you've got unfinished business on the big island?
0: Uh. I wouldn't say that necessarily, uh, going into the day, I thought if everything went perfectly to plan that maybe a top 10 in the age group was, uh, attainable, um, and ended up finishing second. Um, so it was pretty unbelievable. Um, but I think I'll definitely be back one day to race again. One day you're not, you're not committing to 2018 just yet? Uh, probably not 2018. Um, but, but we'll see.
1: Never say never, I'm sure. A week or two from yeah. now, that might that might change. But let's take a step back and, and talk about uh, you growing up and, and your sort of sporting activities as a kid. Were you, were you fairly active as a youngster?
0: Uh, yeah, so um, I ran cross-country and track in high school and uh, swam a little bit. Um, so that definitely helped um, as I started to get into triathlon. Um, and, you know, I was always kind of outside doing things and, I always enjoyed racing. Um, So I wasn't, I wasn't by any means a great runner or swimmer. Um, So triathlon was kind of a natural transition for me um, where I could kind of be be pretty decent in all three sports and and do pretty well still. When
1: did, when did try first come onto your radar? When did you first sort of venture into it?
0: Uh, So in high school, I did a couple of sprints and, maybe an Olympic distance race. Um, And then when I went off to college, uh, kind of got a little more serious, um, raced with the triathlon club at Ohio State. Um, We always went to collegiate nationals every year. um, And throughout my five years in college, each year got got a little more serious and learned a little bit more about the sport.
1: You, You definitely weren't messing around at college either. You studied aeronautical engineering.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's actually interesting. Probably, I'd say seventy-five percent at least of the of the kids on the triathlon team with me were also engineers. Uh, so I'm not sure what it is about engineers and triathlons, uh, but they seem to kind of go well together.
1: Well, you you said as a youngster you 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 swam and you ran. You you weren't really that that good it's not like you were racing nationally when you when you sort of discovered triathlon did you was that did you know then that this is this is something I could get good at or were you good from the start
0: uh I, I definitely wasn't good from the start um I I did okay uh you know maybe won my age group sometimes um but I I definitely enjoyed it and I think I enjoyed uh the fact there's there's so much to improve upon, um, you know, in each sport, you can, if you improve by a little bit in each one, that can kind of make a big improvement on your overall result. Um, so, yeah, it was something that uh, I knew I could eventually be pretty good at, but definitely wasn't uh, winning races right off the bat.
1: What's in, in your opinion? What's the the secret to being good at at the sport? What what does it take to to be a great triathlete, a, uh, a great, a great age group, I should say. I mean, not necessarily a pro, but as an age grouper.
0: Uh, I don't think there's any really big secret. Um, I think the secret is just being consistent and um, and working hard. Uh, and if you if you consistently work hard week over week and year over year, you're gonna keep getting faster. Um, and I don't think there's any secret workouts to do or um anything like that it's just about um you know if, if every year you can make your your key workout a little longer a little harder go a little faster um that's really i think what the sport's all about for most age groupers
1: as an engineer, I take it you're pretty analytical are you are you the same when it comes to your training? do you do you live and die by the numbers? Are you a big one to sort of really analyze what you're doing and 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 try and get better that way?
0: Um, I definitely like to look at the numbers um, and I use training peaks and kind of keep track of all that. Uh, I try not to live and die by the numbers because um, I think uh, that can you can get pretty stuck uh, doing that. And uh, you can go down a, a rabbit hole pretty quick where you're you're chasing a a bigger CTL number or higher average power and um, so it's important to listen to your body too because all the numbers can't can't capture exactly what's going on. Um, so I try to keep a pretty balanced approach to that.
1: Let's talk about work and life outside of triathlon. You've you've got, uh, I think, for for a lot of age groupers and a lot of triathletes, probably the dream job. You work for 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 one of the bike companies. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and who you do it for.
0: Yeah, so I'm the chief engineer at Diamond Bikes. Um, so I do a lot of the design for our new products, and uh, we have a factory right here in Iowa. Um, I'm actually here now, so. This is where all the bikes are made. So I kind of oversee all that and oversee all the manufacturing processes. Um, so actually the bike I rode in Kona um, was our marquee and we launched that in Kona 2016. Um, so the, the actual bike that I rode was the, I think the second or third prototype that we made. And I, Finished it uh, the week before Chattanooga, which is where I qualified last year, um, and raced in Chattanooga to qualify for Kona, um, and then trained on it, obviously, and raced again in Kona. So that was pretty cool uh, to be able to race on the bike that I built with my own two hands and uh, did all the design on and everything.
1: That, that is pretty cool. How, how fast is that bike?
0: Uh it's as fast as you pedal.
1: <laughs> that is the right answer, uh, Matt. As as far as as far as the bike goes, I mean, and and this isn't just a, a diamond bike thing. Uh, often age groupers get sort of sucked into the the latest and greatest. Uh, I, 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 I like I like the fact that you said it's as fast as you pedal. But having having a good bike with with a good setup does does make a big difference, doesn't it?
0: Oh yeah, certainly. Um, so I'm I'm big into talking about the numbers and uh i'm a big fan of best bike split um so it's they have a new tool where you can it'll try to um, analyze your power files and try to figure out your cda um so after my races always put it in and see how i'm doing um and always trying to tinker with some new setups and make some improvements um but yeah definitely there's uh, even at Kona, everybody, you know, there's a lot of nice bikes there, but uh, some of these guys are just trying to. Uh, maybe they don't know any better, but some of their equipment setups seem pretty questionable.
1: And and as much as you can you can drop thousands and thousands on a bike, like you say, at the end of the day, it's about what's in the legs. Uh, you you can you can ride the best bike in the world, but uh, if you haven't done the work, uh, you are going to get shown up on race day.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, it doesn't. You can spend as much money as you want, and unless you you are hiding a motor in there or something, uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't really matter if you don't put the work in.
1: I am interested to know sort of how much goes into designing, like you say, a twenty seventeen diamonds uh, sort of top of the range bike. Uh, Sort of how long is that process from from concept to to having it on a on a bicycle store's showroom floor?
0: Uh, so, with the marquee that we launched in twenty seventeen, um, it wasn't a brand new. The whole thing wasn't new. It was um, probably half half of the bike was new, and we we still use some parts from the uh, the older model. Um, but we kind of started uh, started talking about it in uh, March of. 2015 Um, and then we had a prototype in Kona of 2016 so it was about a year and a half um, to complete the design um, design the molds, get the molds cut um, and then do some initial layups Um, and then we started shipping the first production ones in in January of this year so all together from concept to production it was close to a two-year process well
1: how much pressure is there on on you as the sort of chief engineer to to keep pushing the boundaries and and but at the same time not sort of break away too much from what what the brand stands for and 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 almost irritate people Uh, we see it often in in running shoes where something's working really well and then two sort of designs later it's something totally different somebody loved it two years ago but they hate it now is is that is that something you guys need to to be cognizant of uh
0: yeah for sure we're um obviously our our design's a little bit unique um so uh making having a beam bike um we really believe in that concept uh we believe that it's a really aerodynamic design and then there's some other benefits too, as far as comfort. Um, and so we have those key things. And then, um, another thing that we're really cognizant of is how it handles, um, we feel like it performs really well in in crosswinds, um, and, uh, just handling like down descents and stuff. Um, and we've had a lot of feedback from customers saying that same thing. So, um, We have, you know, try to figure out exactly what is making, uh, making the bike good at that and make sure we keep those things. Um, but another thing I've learned is that no matter what you do, you're not going to make everybody happy. Um, so you just do the best you can and, um, try to accommodate as many people as possible, um, and make the best product that, that you think you, you can make, um,
1: You you obviously, where you are and where you're placed, see a lot of trends and and sort of where things are going. What do you think, uh, and we've seen it over time, I mean, a few years ago, it was, I say a few years, it's quite a few years ago now, everyone was talking power, and then it was sort of electronic shifters. What what do you think the next sort of five, 10 years looks like for for bike design and and bike manufacture? Uh,
0: So I think uh, we're starting to see a lot of disc brake models come out. Um, And I think that, People, there's a, right now, like Quintana, Roo just came out with the disc brake model. And uh, from what I saw, basically, they just put disc brakes on their existing bike, which is fine. Um, I think there's a few benefits to disc brakes. Um, There's also some disadvantages. But I think in the next two or three years, we're going to see some really cool designs with people really figuring out how to integrate that the disc brake design into, um, into the frame and also I think there's some pretty cool opportunities as far as uh, wheel performance goes um, if you don't have to have a brake track on the rim uh, you can do some cool things with the rim shape uh, so I think that disc brakes are definitely where things are moving um, and I think that we're just kind of seeing the tip of the iceberg here Uh, and there'll be some more exciting things to come in the next maybe not next year or two but in the next three to five years
1: there's a lot of talk about aerodynamics and and obviously you coming from an aeronautical engineering sort of background what what are some of the big mistakes Age group is making from a from an aerodynamics point of view whether they they ride a diamond or not just looking at at the way they set things up are are there one or two things or, or tips that you could give people that would, would sort of help with with the aerodynamic point of view
0: yeah so no matter what frame you're riding uh the biggest drag is your body so uh getting your fit set up right um is one of the biggest things and to kind of go along with that uh getting a fit that's comfortable enough for you um that you can maintain for the whole race is uh just as important if you have most aerodynamic position out there but half the time you're sitting up um, that's gonna it doesn't really matter Um, and then probably another really easy thing is um, where you're putting your bottles Um, so on most bikes a down tube bottle causes a ton of drag Um, and of course like Kona you're they have aid stations probably every seven miles. Um, So for most people at a maximum, you're gonna go buy one every 30 minutes. So uh, to me, there's no reason to have more than two bottles, maybe three. So um, you just put one between your arms and one behind your seat, two back there if you really want, uh, and then you you should be good to go and uh, not really take any drag penalties for that.
1: Yeah, from a from a numbers perspective, uh, and you guys have obviously done the tests, I mean, how much time can you actually shave off by, by something like that? A, di- a down two bottle, you mentioned how close the aid stations are together in, in Kona. I mean, could you put it down to a specific time or a percentage that, that you guys have picked up in, in the tests that you've done? Uh,
0: I don't, as far as I can remember, I don't know if we've done that test specifically. Um, and I don't, no off the top of my head i don't have a specific number here for you
1: interesting indeed uh, as far as balancing sort of for you working in the industry working for diamond bikes and, and still being a competitive age grouper uh, i think for a lot of people triathlon is, a, is an escape from their, their 9 to 5 for you it's pretty much your life it is how, how do you how do you switch off what's your your sort of off time
0: uh Uh, so you know it kind of depends like during the summer it's basically wake up go swim uh train or work all day and then do another session and then come home make dinner and go to bed uh do it all again the next day um and i find like during those times i really enjoy just being out on my bike all day and um so I don't know that I necessarily need a time off, but now that Kona's over and it's kind of the off season, I'm pretty excited to uh, have some Saturdays. I'm a big college football fan, so I'm excited to uh, spend the weekend just watching some football games and uh, drinking some beers and, you know. Hanging out on the uh, dog side. Just, just kind of relaxing, yeah. And then uh, in a couple of weeks here, we'll – Start to get, get going again and figure out what's on the list for next year.
1: How long a break do you take after an A race like Kona, for example? Is it, I mean, do you take a bit of time off or do you keep on training right through? How important is sort of getting away from that, that hardcore intensity of, of training for a race like Kona?
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty important to have a big offseason. I'm a big believer in that. Um, last year after Chattanooga, I was uh, felt just really burned out and that race was really hard and I didn't do did basically nothing for like a whole month. Um, but this year I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And, uh, I was actually kind of itching to, to get out and maybe get on the bike, uh, here today. But I think normally my, my rule is that I kind of wait until I really want to exercise again. Um, and then once I, I'm really anxious to get out and do some workouts, I'll, just kind of force myself to wait another few days or week, uh, before I get started again, just to make sure, um, to kind of get rid of any nagging injuries and just make sure the mind's right before you get, get back into it. Mm.
1: Matt, what's, what's the biggest life lesson that that triathlon has taught you?
0: Uh, I would say just the, the power of, um, perseverance and consistency, um, like I said before, uh, I wasn't definitely wasn't expecting to to do so well in Kona, um, but just putting putting in the work and um, there wasn't any one day I can look back on and say, oh, well, because I did that workout, that's why I did so well. It's just you know every every day you're putting a few pennies in the bank, um, and it all all adds up. Uh, so I think that you can apply that to a lot of different things in life. Yeah,
1: it's, it's all about small gains, isn't it? So like you talk about the consistency and, and that sort of thing, it's, it's all about sort of, as you say, just putting, putting a couple of cents in the bank every day. And it's, uh, it, it, it reap, you can reap big rewards down the line if, if, if you are consistent in doing that.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, and, and we can kind of circle back to the, the bike thing on that. Like the bottle might only save you a minute or something. If you can do that little thing. And, um, you know you get on your your wax chain and that saves you a minute or two and all these little things add up and next thing you know you're coming off the bike five minutes sooner like that's a it's a pretty big big gain um especially in a in a big race like Kona where you look at the results and look at how much further back you are in five minutes that's probably 10 or 20 places
1: what surprised you most about Kona the, uh, the race itself and, and being, being in that race
0: um, what surprised me most I would say uh, I think just uh, I knew that it was going to be there's really high quality of athletes there um, but as much as you think about it and prepare yourself for that. It's you, you don't really know what it's going to be like until you're out there. Um, so it was in the, there's um, two turnarounds on the bike and two turnarounds on the run. And uh, each one I thought I was kind of off by myself and there weren't uh, a whole bunch of people around. And then as soon as I turned around, there's like probably, there's just, it seemed like 50 guys just bearing down on me um so that was always pretty crazy to to just see um how close everyone was even at the, the pointy end of the race you
1: you talk about going in there with the the sort of ambition of of if you have a good day getting a top 10 finishing second i mean that must be a, a pretty pretty incredible feeling uh i think it's it, going in there with those sort of expectations and and far exceeding them, uh, do you do you think you had the perfect race, or is there is there things that you could have done could have done differently, or, or next time out could could go better?
0: Uh, I mean, there's always things that can go better. Um, I would say that I don't think there's that I'll ever get done with the race and say oh, everything went perfectly. I think this is about as close as I'm going to get. Um, there's probably uh, two things that I would look back on and say oh that cost me a few places one was uh this was completely my fault going up Polani as you make the turn to go Polani and out on the queen k for the bike which is probably about 20k in um i went to shift down into my small ring and i dropped my chain and i had to uh hop off my bike and put it back on and uh i felt like i was just standing there for about 10 minutes uh I looked back at my Garmin file and it was really only about 40 seconds. Um, But that was one thing. And then the the second thing is that I took off my kit in T2 um, and it was really, it was like soaking wet. So my T2 was like four minutes. Um, So those are probably the the biggest things I look back on and say, oh, I could have gone a little faster, basically for free there. Did you sit Um,
1: four minutes in T two? Did you sit down and have a meal? What was what was the story there?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I was the kit with you know those Aero kits are so tight, um, and it was just I just been pouring water on myself the whole bike, so it was soaking wet, uh, and it just took forever to get it off. Um, And then I had to put running clothes on after that, so that that took seemed like it took forever to get get on too. Um you've you've, so
1: just, you've been on on the big island a, a few times now you've you've obviously raced it as well you you had a bit of sort of inside info having been there before but someone who's possibly listening to this and is is aiming at maybe 2018 2019 whenever uh, what advice would you give to someone who's who's possibly heading out to the big island for the first time knowing knowing what you know now
0: um i'd say uh you really should be prepared for anything. Um, and just, just get it in your head that it's going to be hot and it's going to be windy. Um, and I think, uh, I was, I was prepared for it to be really windy. You're from what I understand. And this happened this year, there's a headwind most of the way, both ways on the bike. Um, so I think if you're kind of expecting those things, when that happens, uh, instead of mentally kind of feeling sorry for yourself, um, you're prepared for it. And you know, that's just the way things are. Um, so at no point during the run did I think, Oh man, it's so hot out here. Uh, this is so hard. Um, I was thinking more like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to feel pretty hot. What can I do? Um, what can I do to, to cool myself down? okay, I just got to make it to the next aid station um, and get as many sponges as I can, as much water, as much ice as I can. Um, and then, okay, uh, this I know there's part's going to be really hot and it's really exposed. Maybe I'm going to walk through this aid station just to make sure I can get some more cooling down and some more nutrition in. Um, so that would probably be my advice is just to to mentally prepare yourself uh, for what it's going to be like and, and how you plan to react um, when certain situations come up like that.
1: We we mentioned that you've worked it a couple of times before. I've I've race announced an Ironman, and uh, it's pretty hard work. I've done a few Ironmans myself. What In your opinion, what's harder, working it or, or, or racing it?
0: Uh, I would say for me, working it is harder. Uh, so we don't actually have to work the day of the race, but the week leading up... Um, Everybody, all our athletes who are racing, we'll do bike service for them, um, and it's always really hot out. We're working out in the sun, and um, it's pretty. They're always stressed out because they think, "Oh no, my uh, my battery died. It's I'm not gonna be able to race." Go, like, oh, all right, calm down. We'll we'll get this figured out for you. Um, so I think that there's more stress on you working because. Um, these guys have, you, you know how much work these guys have put in to be there uh, and you want to make sure their race goes right. Um, and just, just standing out in the heat all day, especially at Kona is, uh, just really taxing and, uh, but the good, good part about working it is, uh, you can always, you can just go home and have a a nice cold beer after, uh, we're only racing, uh, you got to wait till after the race. So.
1: <laughs> but the beer, the beers after the race do taste way better than than a day after work at the at the
0: expo. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, especially in Kona, they got Kona Kona Brewing Company there. So, uh, and then you always gotta gotta get a lava flow while you're on the island too.
1: Absolutely. Well, Matt, it's been great catching up. I look forward to talking about the individual disciplines, but we'll save that for next time. Thanks for your time today on the Kona Edge.
0: Great. It's good to talk to you. Thanks.
1: This episode of the Cone Edge is brought to you by the Wahoo Kicker. Whether you're looking for the accuracy and control of a direct drive bike trainer or the flexibility and convenience of a wheel-on solution, Kicker and Kicker Snap are two distinct indoor training solutions. Kicker Indoor Trainer's large flywheel uses new algorithms to improve responsiveness and better replicate the sensation of riding on the road. So whether free riding or using online platforms like Zwift and TrainerRoad, you'll have the same experience you feel on your favorite outdoor rides. To check out their phenomenal range, head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash indoor. That's thekonaedge.com forward slash indoor. Thank you very much to Matt. Uh, today, what a cool story. And uh, yeah, what a great performance as well, finishing second uh, in this year's Ironman World Championships. Congratulations, Matt. And thank you for uh, sharing your story with us here on The Kona Edge. From myself, Brad Brown, don't forget, if you'd like to reach out and be in touch, you can via social media. Just search for The Kona Edge or look at uh, look me up personally at BigBradBrown. is where you'll find me across pretty much all the platforms. Or Alternatively, what you can do is simply pop me an email. It is brad at thekonaedge.com.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Kona Edge.
1: Don't forget if you'd like to access the commercial free feed of The Kona Edge. All you need to do is head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash support. Become a patron and you'll get access to that feed right away.